0: Living My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. This week's guest is actor and acting coach Corey Parker. Corey is best remembered as portraying Arnold Epstein in Bloxy Blues. He was in Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. We talked a little bit about Corey's death scene in that movie. Spoiler alert. He was also in one of my all-time favorite cult classic movies, Big Man on Campus. He had memorable guest starring roles on television's 30-something, Will & Grace. Currently, Corey lives in Memphis and is an acting coach. We talk a little bit about how we ended up in Memphis and why teaching acting is so difficult in the South. And helping me relive my youth today is Corey Parker. Corey, what's going on today? Um, not a lot. I'm, uh, I'm shuttling back and forth bringing my son to school and, uh, setting out scenes to students in acting class and uh, preparing for a workshop this weekend. Oh, busy. Yeah. How old's your son? He is 20 and he's
1: going to college but he refuses to drive. He doesn't like driving. Ah, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> you got to show for him for a long time, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, I got a, I got a show. When I, when I was a kid, I loved driving. I couldn't wait to drive. But, you know, he's, he's, I've, I've spoken to a
0: number of parents who's, who's a grown kid they are uh, not wanting to drive yeah, my, my son's uh, 12, going to be 13. His bar mitzvah is next yeah. month. Uh, hopefully, well, he, thank you. Hopefully, he'll be driving surreal soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, uh, a little bit about your career. Um, you know, growing up in New York, when did you first want to become an actor?
1: Well, to tell you the truth, I started acting um, in the late 60s. My father died in 1968, and my mother. Um, started sending me and my brother out for auditions. She had been studying acting, and um, my brother booked a job in 1970 with uh, Robert De Niro. We did a commercial with De Niro uh, for American Motors, which is still on YouTube. And uh, I did the Fisher-Price toys, I did a number of commercials, and so that was sort of how we started. and after school specials, we did a lot of extra work. Um, we, did, we did a lot of things to make money in the business. We, we rented our car out to different productions. It was just a regular Oldsmobile, but if they were doing, you know, a period piece, then uh, uh, they would use our car. Um, I remember one time sitting in the car with my mother on a shoot. Um, they said the car was far enough away that we could stay in our car. And I it was winter and it was cold. Hours in that car with my mother while they while they film you know. So we were we were just on set
0: as, as much as we could be and uh, trying to make a living. Right. So I remember some of those after school specials. Um, I really think that they should start bringing those back because I remember one of the ones you had you were a teen father, correct? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now they celebrate, you know, a teen mom and whatnot. I really think they should kind of bring those back and kind of like a. You know, PSA is more than celebrating the fact that you know got knocked up early.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, those I, I remember being a kid and watching the shows, and um, you know, they were always teaching us kids about stuff. So um, I came back get three after-school specials, and um, I had a great time working on them. You know, so um, that was that was kind of what my childhood. was like sort of watching TV like anybody else, but then also you know stepping in front of the camera, being on TV, and so you know, that, that was just sort of the norm for us. And then we started, I started doing plays, I guess, when I was about 13. Um, and I got into the high school of performing arts when I was 13, which was on 46th Street at that time. And, um, and so everything was, we, we lived in Manhattan Plaza, which was uh, only for artists. You know, you had, you had actors, dancers, musicians, uh, painters. And so I was really just surrounded by a lot of creative people. That was, that was the upbringing that I had.
0: And that must be really interesting that you could also bounce ideas off people and kind of uh, get a different perspective that you wouldn't get with, you know, just living, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when, you know, growing up around a lot of creative people, I saw people struggling to be creative, you know, trying to be creative and do their art form. I saw them driven, you know, from inside themselves to, to create in some way. and I, And I saw them, you know making a life for themselves that was centered around that. And, um, you know, it wasn't until many, many years later that uh, I started to realize exactly how rare that was uh, and how special it is. So, yeah, it was amazing, you know. I mean, in New York at that time, I remember I had a girlfriend in Soho. Her mother was a clothing designer. She had her own company. It was a small company in Soho. Um, she was always playing with fabrics and, and painting and, and you know, just there were there were a lot of artist lofts in in Soho. I mean, New York at that time was a very creative place. You know, it was a wonderful, a wonderful time for the city.
0: Yeah. So now that you're in uh, Memphis, do you uh, come back to New York often?
1: I come back to New York periodically. When I go back, I usually to teach. I teach at HB Studios on Bank Street. Um, I had studied with Uda uh, Hagen for about a year and a half. And during that time, I was being directed by her husband, Herbert Burgoff in three different productions um, in his theater. So um, uh, she, she had written me a letter in, in the 90s asking me to come back and teach her do whatever I wanted to do. And, and uh, I couldn't do it at that time, but uh, I've been teaching there, teaching workshops there when I go to the city. Um, I've got some family there, but um, not, not a whole lot. But I, I still love the city, yeah.
0: Yeah, it definitely has its moments, no, no doubt. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So was Friday the Thirteenth like your first movie?
1: It was not my first movie. I had done the first movie that I did was a film when I was eighteen. Uh, I guess I wouldn't call it a film. It was a movie, and it was called Scream for Help. It was directed by Michael Winner, and we shot it in um, New Rochelle, but mostly uh, around London, um, just outside of London. And so um, that was really my first movie. Um, but Friday the 13th was the first thing that I booked in Los Angeles. I had been sort of going back and forth to L.A. Uh, in my teens. I didn't really like it. Um, but I ended up, um, I, did a, I did an independent film for AFI, and uh, I had a, the actress on that shoot. She and I started dating, and she was in L.A. So I went out there, but I, I you know, had an agent, but I didn't have a car yet. I couldn't really get
0: around, so, you know, as you probably know, in L.A., you're stuck if you don't have a car. Totally.
1: <laughs> um, so for that audition, I had a friend of mine, an actor named Terry Lang. He uh, was living up on Mulholland, and uh, he had an old Buick, I remember, and he, he picked me up in the valley, which is where I was staying, and drove me into town, I think over by Fairfax was the audition, if I remember correctly. And he brought me to the audition, you know, and that was, so that was the first... Uh, the first the first job that I, that I booked there, yeah, that was, um, and we, and when we shot that, you know, um, it was in the middle of the night, it was a night shoot, and it was in a canyon, um, just off of Coldwater Canyon that's kind of hidden, um, and there are are woods there and everything, it was, it was kind of intense and, and kind of scary, it was cold, I remember, and, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting setting. There was another actor in the scene, Anthony Barre, and he and I had been friends in New York. So that was sort of the one saving grace, which we had
0: each other. Yeah, he uh, no offense, he had the better death scene in that in that scene. I think he had a flare stuck down his throat. Yeah, he
1: did. He had the flare down the throat. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone had seen that one before.
0: No. Yeah, that was that was definitely good. You had the traditional slit of the the you know the throat in the car. So sorry about yeah, that. <laughs>
1: shape of your neck um you know cut into it so that you can it'll just stick around you're not going pump the
0: blood through It was it, kind of fun to do that right yeah <laughs> so now we move on to one of my favorite movies uh Bloxy Blues um yeah hat well, obviously Bloxy Mississippi but where did they actually shoot the film Two barracks that were still
1: there, and it was where the film A Soldier's Story had been filmed. Um, so we used those same barracks, and um, that's where our dressing rooms were, and that's where everything was just in those barracks. We didn't live there, we had other places we stayed, but you know, every shooting day we were there.
0: Was it really, uh, as Matthew Broderick would say, Africa hot out there? You know the the southern humidity and, and you know the, the heat. I mean, it was it was definitely hot and humid for sure. Yeah. How much of like so called like basic training did you guys like kind of go through before shooting? We went through a sort of a brief basic training. Right. It
1: wasn't one of those movies where you spent like weeks, you know, in basic training. We we weren't gonna go into combat or anything. Right. We never, no, we never left the base. So, um, but we they did bring in a guy and we went through some basic stuff.
0: You know, yeah. Yeah, and you had, like, a real a memorable quote, and it stick with, sticks with me, when uh, Matthew Brock's character had his diary read, and they were talking about you, and then your com- comeback was, was great. It was like, once you compr- compromise your thoughts, you're a candidate for mediocrity. And that's, like, right. a it's a really, you know, like, poignant, like, you know, quote. Yeah, yeah, you know, there are
1: there are a lot of great, lines in there, obviously, it's, it's Neil Simon, and and there are a bunch of places, you know, I think in, in most of his plays, where, where you can hear, I hear anyway, him, I guess because I've spoken to him a number of times, that I, I can hear him just saying things, you know, but his is about art and about creativity, um, about, you know, um, worrying about other people, what other people say, I mean, you got to imagine, he's had so many plays out by that point, and how many uh, reviews he's had and you know finding his way and staying true to himself um, you know what he did and and you know what he has. and um, so you know the great the great present for us of course he, he's there for the first two weeks of rehearsal so you know you can talk to him ask him questions um, and and he you know lets you know what his, what his thoughts are and stuff and after two weeks then he's gone he, he Other for years, you know. At that point, so um, their,
0: you know, their connection and their energy. I mean, it was a wonderful set. It was a really great energy there. Yeah, it's not a bad director to hand it off to, right there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you actually worked, ended up uh, performing as Eugene Morris Roman Broadway Bound. So it was kind of interesting that you acted with that character and then became him later on.
1: when that trilogy first came out, you know, one at a time appearing on Broadway, it offered a lot of work for for young male actors. Um, And then when they started to be filmed, you know, it was the same thing. And so, um, I remember the audition for Broadway Bound was, you know, at that time, I I walked in prepared and and Neil Simon was in there and, you know, that was my first audition. Everybody was there already. And so, you know, I read it and, um, I mean, I could just tell that he, you know, that he felt comfortable with, with me playing that role which is basically the young hymn. you know already had a number of actors play it on stage and stuff and, and Matthew playing it and everything so I mean for me it was a great honor you know I mean I remember for Biloxi Blues when it was on Broadway I auditioned for the role of Carney okay. uh, the guy who sings you know and I had to sing on that huge Broadway stage when I did New York, New York. and I'm not really a singer but I just built it out anyway um you know and and so getting any of these roles was you know something to 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 really appreciate, I and mean, it was humbling to to be a part of it for sure
0: right um also this movie that it's I don't know kind of vanished and it's very disappointing because it's a cult classic I, I think it's big Man on campus:
1: Yeah, <laughs> big man on campus I
0: know
1: it's not people don't really know about it yeah um, it's yeah, that was Alan, Alan Katz. You know, wrote that and, and came up with the whole thing, and he played the. He, he played the. Uh, he played Bob. The actor, you know, but. Um, Melora Harden was in that, Tom Scarrett, Cindy Williams. There was a great a great cast in there. We had a great time shooting it. Jeremy Kagan directed. Um, that was the second time that I worked with Jeremy Kagan. I had worked with him once before um, in a TV movie for CBS called Courage, where I played Sophia Loren's son. So when we, did, when we did that movie, uh, Big Man on Campus, you know, it was, again, it was just like reconnecting with someone that you're already comfortable with. And uh, it was a silly movie. You know, we had a lot of fun just, just being silly, but it did have a
0: story, and um, some people did gravitate toward it. That's true. Yeah, it, it did have, you know, a lot of heart, and you, you know, you had yeah. a lot of, you know, you were smartest in the movie, and you had a lot of good one-liners. You know, that was... Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: true. Play, playing off of Allen Cats was...
0: Yeah, he was he he was really good, and I I wish that kind of movie you know would kind of because I you never see it on cable or anything you know and it's.
1: No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it's definitely something that people who watch it I think can see it's really watchable, but I don't know. It's just you know that's what happens. You know, in the business, some some things click, some things don't. You know, in one way or another, and. Not always something you can make happen. I mean, that was Vestron production. I don't know, you know, exactly that Vestron put a whole lot of effort into putting that out, you know, and trying to make it even for cable, you know, it just it didn't
0: really get much of a push. Right, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. But yeah. If you're home, you know, and if one of your, you know, movies or TV shows comes on, can you actually sit and watch yourself?
1: I actually, to be honest with you, I don't really watch. I watch a little bit of TV, but I don't like, sit and watch a lot of shows. My son gets me to watch things. He just had me watching The Vikings," which I thought had some wonderful performances in it, although it was really bloody.. Right. But um, I, don't, so I don't usually see myself come up, um, but I guess it depends. it depends what I'm in, you, know? but I don't really need to see myself because I've, I've seen that stuff already, and you know, I've already gone through that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's awkward. I can do it, you know It's, like, it's not like a big deal for me. Um, but I kind of, it's already something I've watched. It's the same as if I, if I were seeing something that I've seen a bunch of times with someone else. And, it, and it's like, you know, unless it's a really great thing, I don't, you know, I just don't need to see it. But, uh, but it's fun. I mean, it's fun to see me younger doing all kinds of uh, shenanigans.
0: Right. Have you sh- shown your son any of your movies or work?
1: Yeah, what I, did was, what I did with him was I didn't show him anything until he was about 10. Because I didn't, I had lived in LA for 20 years, and I, I knew I had seen people's kids get sort of caught up in the business from a really young age in terms of, you know, um, fame and the whole the whole business. And I really didn't want him to have anything to do with that. I wanted him to just be a person and just see life as a person, separate from the industry. I didn't want any kind of connection. And so when he was 10, I felt like, you know what, I think he's ready. And so I kind of blew his mind because I was <laughs> just showing him, you know, putting on the TV all the, these things that I had done, and, and uh, he loved it. I mean, he had a great time, but he had that foundation of just knowing me as a person and not thinking of me as an actor in the, in the industry. So that was really my goal, and, and uh, that worked out. Now he's, he's seen everything that
0: I've done, and, um, you know, he's, he's really sweet about it, so that, that's a good thing. Oh, that's, that's great. Now, how did you end up in Memphis?
1: I met my wife in L.A., and she was from Memphis, and so when we had our son, we decided to um, come back here and sort of go for uh, a little more stable life than uh, the L.A. after life, you know, which is always full of ups and downs. So, yeah, we came we came back here, and so I, you know, I go back to L.A. from time to time. I go back to New York, and those are things I need to do to stay sane. I need to be mm-hmm. back in an environment where where there are lots of creative people, um, and there's lots of drive and everything. Um, Not that you don't have all that here, but there's no real industry here in Memphis, so it's, you know, it's a whole other story as far as you can't explain to people in words what it is to be in L.A. or New York where you're surrounded by actors or in a class, you know, with lots of creative people who are really driven. You can't, like, just teach that.
0: (laughs) You have to have it. Right. Now, is there do you have you know, classes down there that you, you know, have available if people want to uh, come yeah, work with I you? Yeah,
1: I, I have a class in Memphis, and uh, I have a class in Nashville, um, and um, I do workshops here. I just did a workshop here at the university for the film commission. The workshop that I just did was, was cool because it was teaching actors how to be on a set, how to be a day player, how to, how to do your work on a set. You know, People here don't get a chance to be on a set very often, we had a production come through here last year called Million Dollar Quartet, which it was later called uh, Sun Records for CMT. But I was the acting coach for the production, and, you know, what I watched was a frustration with the production that, that the local Memphis actors didn't necessarily understand how to be on a set. So I worked with the film commission here to create this workshop to teach, to teach people, you know, like it's, it's easy to teach, and I think it's kind of fun. you have to learn how to enter a room where you're being filmed, walk across the room and stop on the exact mark you need to stop on without ever looking down at it. You know, you can't look at it when you're on camera, so you're gonna have to figure out a different way to do stuff like that. You know, understanding how to to walk when the camera's moving and following with you, you know, how to set a pace. um, All kinds of ways of uh, accommodating the camera, working with the camera so that the, the footage is good and there's no time wasted, there's no money wasted. So that workshop went really well it bell. that was really fun. Um, I'm going to do a workshop this weekend. Uh, there's uh, uh, Indie Memphis here. They, they're committed to independent film, and these guys are really cool. They're doing a youth fest this weekend. Um, Craig Brewer's going to be there. Tom Shadyak's going to be there. Um, and I'm going to teach a workshop, they're like an hour and a half workshop, for teen actors for on-camera. So, you know, it's just bringing bringing the work here. Um, When I teach in L.A., I've taught at a lot of studios right now. I teach at BGB Studios, which is the studio of Lisa Raymond Garcia, the casting director.
0: And so I get to teach there. When I go to New York, I teach at HB Studio. So I really, uh, I'm still a driven person. So I've got got to stay busy, and that's what I I do. Yeah, That's great. Now, typically you say you're having a teen workshop. Have you worked with, like, teens and kid actors before? I've, um, I've worked with kids who are
1: uh, auditioning to get into schools, you know, acting theater programs. Um, the, the, the students that I've worked with have gotten into NYU Tisch and USC and UCLA and uh, CalArts. Um, I have a student who just got back from Yale. He spent the summer at the Yale uh, summer program there, and he was at the Royal Academy last summer. So it's really, for me, about getting kids here out of Memphis Hmm. They can always come back, but you've got to be exposed to what I call the real world. <laughs> right. You know, just get out of the South for a while and be around creative people is the goal. So I have, I have, you know, there are teenagers that I've worked with who have gotten out and are now in L.A. who are training in New York um, and, um, and, you know, working to get into colleges right now. So teenagers, you know, are still in that place where um, even if, like, for example, if, if they have parents who are really strict sort of conservatives, um, you know, if the kid is creative and they know that they're kind of different, um, acting is a place where they can come and be accepted. You know, acting is a place they can come and be whoever they really are or want to be. Acting doesn't judge you. It doesn't criticize you. And there are a million plays with characters who can, you know, let, let these young actors see that, they're totally okay, you know, that it's okay to want certain things, that it's okay to feel certain feelings, even if your parents have told you it isn't. You know, acting embraces and accepts everyone as long as you want to be a part of it, Bam, you're a part of it. You just got to want to work, you know, and so um, I do, I have worked with a lot of teenagers, yeah.
0: Right now, how do the parents come to, and how how difficult is it dealing with the parents?
1: I have had had, um, situations where parents have come um, to talk to me, to sort of test me out and see what it is that their kids getting into, and that that's understandable. I'm am a parent, you know. I have a website which talks about you know the work that I've done, um, and it's fine with me to meet people in person. I've had people, you know, I've had people down here in the, in the south tell me, um, you know, that that acting doesn't really have any value and it's a waste of time. You know, that's a, not an uncommon sentiment down here,
0: and so you know. One thing that I say to that is, do you go to the movies? Yeah, you watch TV, right? <laughs> do you watch TV <laughs> because if we removed all the actors
1: all at once and there were no actors just for one hour, what are where are you going to go when you need a break? When you need to watch a story? When you want something that makes you feel better or feel different? You know, what, who's going to? All you're going to have is uh, you know footage of a script with a hand turning the pages. You can read the script. Because there's no one performing it, there's no one acting it, and and why would the would the industry, you know, the film industry, be a multi-billion-dollar industry, and why consistently, globally, you know? And I mean, so it's it's the need for storytelling is just a human need, and and people benefit from storytelling, and um, you know where I come from, I never saw it questioned to be an actor. I never saw anyone question that. You know, it's only down here that it's questioned and. You know, I think there's just a certain amount of stubbornness, but I think that they're just not exposed to things here. You know, when you're living in New York or LA, I mean, if you're in New York and you can you see all the theater going on, and you see like this is this is a legitimate industry? I mean, this is something that really exists, it's for real, and you can become a part of it. But down here, you know, that, that just doesn't really exist. So, there, I just think it's a question of exposure. You know, that there's just not that exposure down here, so do that with people you know let them replay from the watch movies um, pop You know, wanting change, wanting to try something, wanting to rebel, whatever it is. And, you know, over time, that person started to speak to me. And that person decided that they wanted to study acting in New York. And that's where they are now. And, you know, so it's this, the power of, of acting, of, of plays, of, of theater, of, of film. I mean, it, it's obviously very powerful. I think if you look look at the impact it has on the world, there's, there's
0: no doubt about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that actually sounds like a good script. You can have you know the New York act actor slash acting coach goes down to Memphis. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, if um people want to you know check you out or you know hire you as an acting coach, where can they find you? Uh,
1: they can go to Corey Parker Actor dot com. So that's C O R E Y, P A R K E R, Actor A C T O R dot com. And uh, you can you can contact me through there. There's a contact button, and you just fill in your your email and your name and you can reach me and uh i work with actors in new york and la i work with people who are on tv people who are on broadway uh they send me scripts that people i work with people who are auditioning they got an audition and they want to prepare um so you know it's it's um everything is available you know as long as there's the will the desire to work um everything is available you know and it's and if if i work with someone and i feel like they need to do something that's you know if they're in new york or they're in l.a or wherever they are i, I try to help them connect with what's around them that's available that's a value you know sometimes i have to look up places for people i had an actor going to poland recently in warsaw so i'm looking up you know the theater in warsaw i mean i try to look up places so people can connect wherever they go um because in one form or another this
0: Great, Corey, thanks for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck this weekend. And a special thanks to Corey Parker for joining us today. Check out Corey Parker at CoreyParkerActor.com. You can follow me on Twitter at TheFirstNoal19. Be sure to like the page living My Youth on Facebook. Check out all the past episodes we've had. We've had amazing guests, we have many more to come. I thank everyone for listening. I can't do it without you. Please spread the word i want this thing to grow as much as possible and we'll talk to you next time on reliving my youth